The economy is getting back underway, and with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com, and if you are not already an Athletic subscriber, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Hey, welcome in, folks, to Ant Waveland. It's the Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. You know, I haven't interrupted my intro in a very long time. Do you guys remember how I used to do that all the time as I was settling into the rhythm of, like, what you say? And it occurred to me as I was doing that one, I'm like, just because I settled into that rhythm as the intro doesn't mean it's a good intro. <laughs> it's like, hey, welcome. This is a podcast. It is at The Athletic. It is about the Cubs. There's Sahad of Sharma. There's Patrick Mooney Ambra. Like, I, I don't know. It's not very sexy. I got to maybe work you on gotta it. You got to spice it up. Yeah. Better. Yeah. Or add some, add some like diversity to what I'm saying so it isn't the same every time. I don't know. I'm imagining people, they turn it on and like they get to my like eighth word and they're like, you know what? This shit is the same every time. I'm done. I'm done. I need to have like a really catchy word in there, you know, like rhododendron by the fifth or sixth word they'd be like what why did he say rhododendron that's weird i'm gonna listen to this cubs podcast so anyway that is sahadev sharma and patrick mooney and i am brett taylor and we are going to talk about the cubs and this is on to Wayland, <laughs> which is the cubs podcast here at the athletic how are you guys doing uh you know good watching cubs baseball and the like nothing special i got nothing for you sorry brett i'm i'm, I'm Thrown like I'm used to the rhythms, yeah, man. What are you doing? It's like you're asking me how I am. I'm, I'm good. There's nowhere to go after that amazing <laughs> intro, Brad. I'm not really sure how to respond. <laughs> well, I'll here. I'll 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 do a little bit of like um, what is that? Like the light gab at the start. I got to ask how to. So we're on the Zoom call. We can see each other. You guys can't see us, and I can see just the top of his shirt, which is a World Champions yeah. shirt. But I'm wondering, I'm like, who are the champions? It's a it's a 1908. <laughs> Chicago Cubs World Champions shirt. Ah, uh, yes, you had a good. You have good memories of that <laughs> yeah. experience. I think this was a, a, you know, back in my fan days of uh, of the Cubs. My my brother bought me this, who is a Sox fan, and it was kind of like a, a like a little dig at at the Cubs, while also ah, while also uh, you know, acknowledging that I'm a Cubs fan, but but also making fun of me for it as well. Back in our nicely done, when we used to go to Cubs Sox games together and and uh, and bark at each other in the stands. It was good times. <laughs> See, you thought I was just calling out your shirt, but actually, I was setting up that beautiful anecdote <laughs> on the eve of Cubs Sox starting this weekend, and then and the, the intracity nature of the right intrafamily rivalries <laughs> that develop because of it. Um, we actually will get to that uh, shortly, of course, because it is it does make for you know pretty compelling conversation in the city and elsewhere uh but before we get to that just wanted to leave open uh comment for you guys on the wrap of the cardinal series uh five games in three days and i took away from it among other specific things that we will mention just the fact that i could tell people after the series was concluded that oh hey by the way the cubs won that series <laughs> and it's it's like we all know it is true of course you know we can like look at it and be like oh yeah they won three of five but like you tell people that and they're like, whoa, 
that is blowing my mind because that did not even remotely feel as I experienced it like a series win. No, I I agree. It it uh I don't know if it was the double headers, the nature in which they won and lost, uh, the fact that they're, you know, they were humming along early there and now they're just kind of look like I don't know if it's how you describe it exactly, but it, they don't look dominant in any way, I guess. They and they they're, they're leaving a lot on the table, especially when you say look at the offense. So there're things that uh I think there are things that fans normally gripe about about this team, you know, that are are standing out once again, especially with the offense. So it makes it harder for people to say like, yeah, they're in first place. They're 16 and eight. They won a series. That's great. It's it's more like, yeah, but here are these issues that that have sunk them every year for the past few years popping up again. Yeah, it didn't feel like they won three of five and. Within that, you might have had Craig Kimbrell back or looking as good as he has during his entire Cubs tenure. Uh, another great start from Kyle Hendrick. There there was lots of things I think you could cling to, but like Sadev saying, it's certain issues that have resurfaced kind of over the years. And I think one of the takeaways that I wrote the other day of just like, you know, uh, it's not – particularly uh in depth but I feel like you know with the Cubs like they're not always right these issues keep resurfacing but I mean overall they usually figure it out I mean you know last year they collapsed at the end but a collapse now for this group is you know a winning season and in playoff contention until the last week of September so while these things are probably going to keep popping up and we'll see what happens with uh, how Chris Bryant feels on Friday for the start of this Crosstown series. That's certainly important. But I don't know. They've got their three big starting pitchers lined up uh, against the White Sox. They're in first place. I mean, outside of the Dodgers, I don't think there's any team in the National League you trade the Cubs kind of situation with. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, th- I think you guys nailed it. I mean, I think you combine also the fact that during the course of the series – I don't think the Cubs led more than the Cardinals did. So like, as you, that's another thing, as you were experiencing it, you had more time to be frustrated and disappointed than you had time to be excited. Um, but obviously the, the late hits by uh, David Bodie uh, taking two of those games and uh, <clears throat> another excellent you Darvish outing in the middle, uh, probably more good than bad to take away but i but i think you're right on the heels of that the brewers uh series losing three in a row um with issues coming up that cubs fans are primed to worry about uh particularly because you've got javi baez and chris bryant being such important visible pieces of this team and struggling so deeply that yeah i think it it makes it hard for people to celebrate the things that you know I don't know. I got pretty jacked up seeing Craig Kimbrell get a save opportunity, a real save opportunity. And, you know, regular season game, still early-ish in the this version of the year. But, like, uh, my heart was thumping. I mean, I'm a little embarrassed to admit as I was watching that play out. I think I, I built up in my mind, reality or not, attaching so much gravity to it. Like, I felt like holy shit, he's getting this shot. 
if he can look like Craig Kimbrell, it's like, that's the springboard. Boom. He's back, baby. And if he doesn't, if he implodes, if something just doesn't go his way or whatever, I'm like, oh, F, this could be, it could be the end of having any realistic hope of that. He, you know, it felt like such a strong dividing line um, that that's how I was consuming that inning on edge, hard thumping. And obviously it went, I mean, you could not have scripted it much better. I mean, just just the fact that he hit 99. I mean, you know, you look at StatCast, it was 98.7. He's that's the highest easily the highest he's highest velocity he's thrown in a Cubs uniform that's the best outing he's had in a Cubs uniform uh he's he's starting to gain that confidence and it doesn't matter if if David Ross is going to name him the closer or not my assumption is if he's available uh going forward as long as he pitches like that he's going to get a lot of those opportunities and it, it just completely changes the dynamic of the bullpen. The, you know, uh, of course, two weeks ago, it, it would have, you know, if, if we said it, it would have been basically Kimbrell's great and and what else do they have, right? If, if, if Kimbrell came out of the gates pitching brilliantly. Right now, uh, it, it almost feels like everybody else kind of started to settle in. And it's like, well, if they get Kimbrell, this, this bullpen could be really intriguing and and it is. I I mean, you, Jeffress probably uh, doesn't give up that tying run if if that fi- you know if that fastball that he threw at the bottom of the lo- uh, of the zone was called a strike. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy that just goes out there and gets the job done. In 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 Jeffress, Tapera looks pretty dominant. Uh, that's that's three guys that I think you you feel good about right now, depending on how you feel about Kimbrel. I know it's three outings, but I, I it looks to me like it's legit. Uh, obviously, I want to see one more outing where he's pumping in the upper 90s again. But uh, there's someone I'm missing other than Jeffress and Rowan Wick. Uh, yes. And Casey Sadler. Yeah. And really, the two like I mean, they're yeah, that's that's five guys in a bullpen. And that's all you need. I mean, right now, what you're looking for is a lefty, right? That's a, that's a, it's the question that Cubs fans have had for years at the deadline. I think I wrote about that when with Care when they drafted Caraway. They they have to every year they're looking to trade for a lefty. They haven't developed a lefty. I mean, I know that they haven't developed pitching, but they haven't developed a lefty in. I don't know how long, and I think I wrote that it was Sean Marshall. That's the last time they've developed a, a lefty <laughs> that's been like of real impact. So it's been a while. Uh, obviously, there's two guys that potentially that could help this year, if, depending on how things are going in South Bend and, and how the season continues to progress. But uh, the bullpen suddenly looks like that. That's not a huge concern at the moment. And, and you know, the keep monitoring bullpens because you know how quickly that can change but uh it's it's weird how fast like i said it it's weird how fast it can change because it felt like such an issue a week 10 days ago and now you're like yeah i feel pretty good about it at least i do maybe everybody else is panicking (laughs) before i forget i kind of heard something yesterday that i thought was interesting that in terms of the you know left-handed looks out of the bullpen it sounded like the cubs are not there yet in terms of you know, kind of pushing Braylon Marquez and, and Burl Caraway just yet, that they're, you know, still kind of getting them ramped up. Uh, they're not really in a position where they're ready to unleash those guys yet. Uh, that doesn't mean that's off the table, but I think they're in such a unique, weird environment at South Bend that they're um, kind of looking at things, you know, 
in these kind of five day windows or a week out. Um, and also the impression I got was that maybe Cody Allen was ahead of Kelvin Herrera, um, just in terms of the two kind of bigger names from several, uh, years ago. But I mean, obviously, uh, it, it seemed like Edward Alzali made the most uh, of his time there. And, uh, South Bend had a day off on Thursday. They've been trying to mirror the, uh, major league schedule, but I think hopefully, uh, f- for them, you know, seeing a performance like that might be a good reinforcement of like why they're in this bubble in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, and kind of giving them, uh, those guys there some, some motivation to, to stay ready and, uh, just reinforcing the idea that, you know, they can help. Yeah. Pretty incredible to see Al's like come with no, uh, minor league game competitive experience this year at all. And I know they've been staging the best approximation of a game that you can at South Bend, but then to show up and face the Cardinals at Wrigley Field and pitch like he did, um, you know, he was a little hot early, I think, as, as perhaps the adrenaline was pumping, but settled and let the stuff eat. And, you know, he showed that he's he's going to be a big league pitcher in the future. He's in his final option year this year, and it'll one of the storylines to look ahead to next spring is going to be, okay, can he win a rotation spot or is he going to have to sort of hang around in the bullpen because he, he can't be optioned next year? Um, I don't want to get too down the road on that because I suspect we're going to see another Alzali start in the next 10 days or so because even if he doesn't um, come back to fill the need for a fifth starter on Tuesday, I believe, uh, it's possible Chatwood's back. Still don't exactly know the timeline for Jose Quintana, but it's possible he was the 29th man he could come back on that Tuesday or five days from that the Cubs have another double header against the Reds and so seems pretty logical that he would stay on schedule and take that start um one thing to wrap up this part of the conversation just want to note on the lefty side of things uh, my guess is with 10 days to go now before the trade deadline and with the Cubs not in a position right now yet to push and lean on a guy like Caraway or Marquez without that much experience, my guess is they're going to be scouring the the low cost options on the trade market uh, to add a lefty because uh, with uh, with love and respect for what he did last year, Kyle Ryan just doesn't look right. He just doesn't physically look like a guy who's going to be able to contribute meaningly meaningfully as a lefty this year. Um, and uh, Brad Wick is probably not going to be back um in time he's on the 45 day il now so you're already looking at mid-september for him and so adding a lefty is going to be pretty critical at this point and so i I would suspect that the cubs would say yeah we're not going to push on caraway or marquez right now because they still have 10 days to maybe acquire a a low-cost option Um, so that's something i would encourage folks to stay tuned on keep an eye on uh but for now the bullpen is what it is and it is performing well, and the Cubs will carry it with them into this weekend series against the White Sox. And maybe I'll just set it up for you guys to talk about what you're looking forward to in the series, and then if you don't hit on what I'm thinking, I'll, I'll get into it. So, yeah, y- you of the sarcastic <laughs> Cubs championship shirt, uh, as you're touring your house, by the way. <laughs> so- I'm kind of enjoying this, this yeah. show here. I wish I wish people could see this. Are you, are you headed to the, the bathroom? Are you going to just like do a quick little... 
deposit I'm, while I'm we watching the I'm watching the percentage on my uh, on my computer <laughs> battery on my laptop battery like quickly go down. I thought it, I thought seventy five percent was fine to start, and it's already below fifty. So. Oh my gosh, this is a race against time. <laughs> so I, tell us what you care about the White Sox and Cubs series while you race to plug in your computer. It's like a really boring sports podcast version of speed. You're like, I can't let it get under 50%. Uh, but also, Dallas Keuchel is a really interesting matchup for this Cubs team. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting to a degree as far as how they perform against uh, Keuchel. More so, I'm I'm curious to see. This is probably the best offense the Cubs have faced. Am I right? I, I haven't looked at the numbers, uh, but their their best pitchers are going against a, a a talented offense that's very young and dynamic. And you know, if you if you want to compare them to the Cubs in a way, they're I think this group does strike out a lot too. The the White Sox, they're you're going to see. I mean, just high-energy players that can do a lot of different things on the offensive side. And I'm, I'm curious to see how, how the Cubs pitchers handle them. I mean, do they know, you know, will – I mean, a guy like Lester is, is the perfect uh, type of pitcher, I think, to face this lineup for the first time uh, in the sense that this is a veteran. He's not going to be overwhelmed by anything. He's not going to be tricked by – Oh yeah, I'm gonna get you know try and blow one by robber here. This I'll show this rookie who's boss. You know he's not gonna overthink anything. He's not gonna go out there trying to do too much. Uh, it could be a nice way to set up the series and kind of show like here's how you get these guys out in a sense. Uh, or it could be uh, everyone tee off on Lester, right? <laughs> we'll see how how this one goes. But I'm I, I I'm really curious to see how they handle a, a loaded offense that's flawed, but also can you know if you if you uh, don't pitch them properly, they're gonna put up like a eight or nine spot on you. Yeah, I try not to do this too much, but I definitely did it during the Cardinals series of thinking about just how weird it is and what we're missing. Like this week in particular, uh, I feel like you know Cubs Cardinals just has this totally different atmosphere. I mean, just circling back to. Kimbrel, it's definitely different when there's not 40,000 people there kind of on their feet. That electricity, that anxiety just isn't the same. I think it's going to be that way with the White Sox. I think it's going to be, you know, at least for the first game of thinking like, you know, the field isn't covered with all these TV cameras and pregame shows. And we're not, you know, just swarming Chris Bryant's locker or Anthony Rizzo's locker before the game and I do think over the years kind of the the fan environment the media scrutiny has kind of raised the the level uh for these games and I think that's you know a very small reason why you've seen some of these explosions on the field <laughs> over the years you can't really bank on that happening and um it's not just because there's a lot of media there or because fans are drinking and fighting in the stands but you know it just kind of adds to that circus atmosphere that we're just going to be uh missing this weekend yeah it's a weird sort of mix of um it, these games are so critical i mean we've talked we talked about this back when the schedule came out that the cubs are playing the white Sox six times this year 
in a 60 game season. So 10% of your schedule is this crosstown rivalry that historically has meant more off the field than on the field. Um, and now it's so important. You've got this White Sox team that's young and on the come. You've got this Cubs team that is not necessarily on the backside of anything, but that is trying to sustain this competitive window. It's such a critical time for them to succeed this year, all against the backdrop of the pandemic and no fans. And so it's like, is the heat really going to be there? Is it... Uh, is that sense of like, oh, these White Sox have something to prove. You know, that it's they want to use this series uh, because of its nature being within the city to show, hey, we are young, but we are here. We are ready. We can beat this Cubs team. And conversely, do is there... It, the Cubs are doing a good job this year of building their own energy, but it can't hurt to to have that sense of like, Look, these White Sox players are fun. They're young. This is a team that can be very explosive offensively. Um, you know, they've got a young pitcher in Dylan Cease who can do some really incredible things. Um, and we're happy to be part of that conversation by showing them, hey, we're, we're, uh, we are a, um, maybe a more ready team, maybe a more complete team. Um, and this is what it looks like when you get here. So I don't know. I, you always, every time, and this isn't unique to this year, every time it's Cub Sox, I feel like we, the media fall into the trappings of like, um, <laughs> either narrative creation or narrative extension and being like, well, this is what it's about. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe they're just baseball games against a, a young team that can be exploited in a lot of ways. Uh, I love the the reference to John Lester there because it feels like he's a guy who could perhaps against a team like this pitch above his, um, you know, true ability at the moment physically because he can, he's just going to be such a smart uh, executor of the plan against a team like this. Um, and maybe it's just, maybe they're just baseball games. Maybe they're just interesting baseball games against interesting team. But I tend to doubt that because the preseason games had, they already had a bit of a feel to them that I picked up from White Sox fans and, um, you know, the energy for fake baseball was was there. Yeah, I'd, I think it'd be hard to deny that from the fan side that this is a significant series. Uh, Cubs fans want to show White Sox fans in a sense that th your time has not come. Your, your team isn't as good as you think it is just yet. Like, this is a complete team. Look at the Cubs. These are real contenders. You guys are a year or two away. Calm down. Like, I think that's what Cubs fans want to show. White Sox, obviously, fans want to show the opposite. Like, don't look at this. Don't you wish you kept Eloy Jimenez? Look at how dominant this offense is going to be. Uh, all, all that type of stuff. Like, just look at what you're missing out on and how, remember what it felt like to have a bunch of young talent? Well, now we're the ones that have it, and, and you know, we're going to dominate you because of that for the next five, ten years, whatever. It, it, I, I agree with Patrick that this was the first time that I started to think about the fans. Wednesday was weird in the sense that going to the game uh, on such a beautiful day like that that's when I think of 
Oh man, uh, you know, I I'm not going to lie, sit here and lie and say like as a media reporter, I really miss the crowds. No, I, like it's easy to get to work now. I I don't have to struggle with getting through walking through fans or, or any of that stuff, right? There's not a bunch of drunks uh, all the all the people my... that want your autograph too. <laughs> yeah. There's not like a, on my walk back to my car and driving home. There's not drunk stumbling in front of my car and, and me usually. Yeah. <laughs> so so there are benefits for me as a media member. But on a beautiful day like that, I mean, I think about it. That's those are the days that I remember going to the ballpark as a fan. Though a day like that is what I brought. You know, my my son's first game, my daughter's first game. Their first games were like that, beautiful summer days, and that was perfect. And I, I think, I haven't checked the weather, but I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be another beautiful Chicago weekend. And to not have fans there is going to be weird. And I, it, 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 you know, I quick once the game starts, I quickly forget about it. But walking through the ballpark and ch- seeing how beautiful Wrigley looks and the day in Chicago, you do think man, this would be perfect. This would, the energy here would be kind of crazy right now. And it would, it would, we're certainly missing out on something. So it's, but still there, there's no doubt that there's going to be a lot taken away from this, from either fan base, whatever the outcomes may be. Uh, And however, however much these games may matter, uh, I'm not sure, but I know that it matters uh, to the fans and, uh, you know, online and social media wise there's there's an impact there and it, it's certainly you know something that a lot of fans are going to take a lot away from these three games yeah i'm curious and i'm only kind of following the white Sox from afar but you know they got off to this bad start uh i think was it keichel who called out um the white Sox and they didn't really bring it um, you know, pretty early in the season. Um, you know, I think there are these questions about Rick Renteria. Like, this is just kind of going off social media, not like any sort of deep reporting on my end. But I don't know, man. White Sox have a lot to prove here. And I feel like their fans have been fed this line about, you know, the rebuild and how, you know, this is about winning multiple World Series. This is not just one flag at uh, Sox Park. And, um, I don't know if this environment helps them in terms of like there's no media annoying them in the clubhouse. There's no interview room stuff back and forth. It's kind of all over Zoom. Uh, they only have to, you know, really get hot for like a maybe what, like a week or two to make this expanded um, playoff field. So, um, you know, if you're the if you're a Cubs fan right now, I think, you know, I doubt either team is going to sweep this. I think well, worst case Monday morning, the Cubs will wake up in first place with what, like a 17 and 10 record and like a 97% chance to make the playoffs. Like, <laughs> Hey folks, pa- Patrick is on Twitter at PJ underscore Mooney. So when the Cubs get swept, you can come back and you can let him know that it was his words that caused that outcome. True. I don't think the Cubs will sweep the White Sox either, right? I mean, that's just kind of kind of basically. Mm, I mean, but, but if the White Sox, yeah, if the White Sox beat Lester, Hendricks, and Darvish, like ooh. that would be pretty impressive. That would be a good Twitter meltdown. 
Uh, <laughs> Brett, will you chug a beer if the uh, Cubs get swept uh, this weekend? On I, look, next I Zoom? only do that for celebratory moments. <laughs> oh, okay. I um, yeah, I, I for those for those who don't follow me on Twitter, I when um, the Cubs were trying to mount a comeback in the second game of the first day of the doubleheader against the Cardinals. Um, Victor Caratini was coming to the plate, and I sort of got a little inside joke thing going with our minor league writer at Bleacher Nation that um, I have to love everything that Victor Caratini does. And so I said, if he hits a three-run home run here, I'll chug a beer and scream that I love Victor Caratini. And, of course, David Bodie pinch hit. I said, okay, I guess the deal still holds. And it was within one second of I, I sent that tweet. He, you know, of course, blasted at center field. And the, it's a partly a joke because I am terrible at chugging a beer and I don't know how I see these videos of people doing it and I'm like but 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 your throat is in the way how are you doing that whereas like I do it and it's like sip 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 I I don't get it but I subject it's for entertainment you see so I subject myself to the ridicule which by the way can I just say if the person performing for you and, and embarrassing themselves with the chugging where they just said, by the way, I'm terrible at this. This is embarrassing. Da, 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 da. And then they do it. And you send the tweet that's like, bruh, you can't chug. You suck. Oh, that's embarrassing. Oh, I'm like, I just said that. I know. I just said that. You aren't. You you aren't hitting a home run here with your jokes on Twitter when I just said it. So You're anyway, missing the nuance of yeah. beer chugging. <laughs> uh, but yes, Mooney, to answer your question, I'll, but I only do it celebratorily. So if the Cubs sweep the White Sox, then yes, I will. What I'll do is I'll do it for our podcast listeners. I will. They'll get the audio experience of me chugging a beer. It, it'll be something like that. So yeah, if the Cubs sweep the White Sox. Uh, when we for the next show on Monday, when we record, I will chug a beer at uh, you know eight nine in the morning, whenever it is that we record. <laughs> Done. Yeah. It's locked in. Uh, you guys got anything else on this uh, on this series? I don't think so. I w- I would say if the Cubs get swept, that's that's going to be a rough rough Monday for Cubs fans and uh, and Bleacher Nation as well. Bleacher Nation's Twitter feed may not may not be doing so well, is my guess. I'm just going to keep sending them to Patrick. I'm going to be like, he predicted this. He said, I guarantee the Cubs will not get swept this weekend. I will stake my entire reputation upon it. I dare the hordes to come after me because it shall not happen. Uh, yeah, that's what I will let folks know. And they can, and if, uh, I don't know, don't don't hold it against our podcast, though. You can take it out on, on Patrick on Twitter, but... When it comes to the podcast, make sure you are sending us nothing but your love when you rate and review on Waveland, the Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic, on your favorite podcasting service. You can listen on the app. You can listen in the Apple Podcast Store. Is it an Apple Podcast Store? I don't know. I just get them on my phone. I don't think it's called the store anymore. Uh, but get them where you listen. Um, subscribe. Come back next week when we will be with you for a wrap on the White Sox series. And um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you're checking out uh, Patrick's and Sahadev's work at The Athletic. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you, folks. Peace. Peace.